In this recording, we're going to discuss an interesting, but hopefully not a practical issue, as to whether contemporary anti-Semites, people who are focused on the destruction of the Jewish people, fall under the halachic category of Amalek, which the Torah commanded us to fight back against and destroy. And as we'll see, there's a contemporary debate. Some authorities are of the opinion that when the Torah commands us to destroy Amalek, it refers not only to the actual people, People, the nation of Amalek, anyone who's descended from the person Amalek, but it refers to any anti-Semites throughout history who rise up against the Jewish people, that's all considered Amalek. On the other hand, there are other authorities who disagree, and they maintain that the command to destroy Amalek is a very specific reference to a specific nation. It does not apply to any anti-Semite of any lineage. So we'll go through this debate, and we'll see some of the discussion. The most famous source regarding this is from Rav Yosef Dov Soloveitchik in his essay Kol Dodido Fake, which is his main articulation of his Zionism. In it, he quotes his father, Reb Moshe Soloveitchik, who's the son of Reb Chaim Soloveitchik, that Reb Moshe said that any group of anti-Semites, regardless of their physical lineage, anyone who rises up to destroy the Jewish people is considered a Malek, and there is a mitzvah and a command to destroy them. And in footnote 23, Rav Soloveitchik expands on how his father arrived at this conclusion, and it's based on a careful reading of the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchus Melachim Parakeh Halacha Dalid quotes the mitzvah to destroy the seven nations who were living in the land of Israel before the Jews got there. So this is not the command to destroy Amalek, this is the command to destroy the seven nations of Canaan. And the Rambam concludes that this mitzvah no longer applies in our days, the Kvar Avad Zichram, because the memory of who these nations are has been lost. So the Ravid in his glosses references the Mishnah in Yadayim, Perak Dalad, Mishnah Dalad, which quotes Rabbi Yoshua, who said the following principle, that Kvar Allah Sancheirev Melech Asher Ubilbel Eskol Haumos, that Sancheirev, the king of Assyria, mixed up the whole world. This is a story in the Tanakh, that the Assyrians method of conquering people was that after they conquered a smaller nation, they would relocate everyone to somewhere else in the world because they were trying to weaken everybody's nationalistic ties so the nations wouldn't rebel against them. So basically Assyria conquered much of the world and they moved everybody all over the place. So any of the nations that are listed in the Tanakh are no longer applicable because the people that live in those countries are not the actual descendants of those original people. So when the Torah says to destroy the seven nations of Canaan, the people that live in that part of the world are no longer the descendants of those original nations. And we also can't track down their descendants. So we're unable to locate the people that fall under the category of that nation. And therefore this mitzvah no longer applies. So that's what the Rambam writes in regards to the mitzvah of killing the nations of Canaan. On the other hand, when the Rambam comes to the mitzvah of destroying Amalek in Hilchos Melach and Perak Beis Halacha Hey, the Rambam omits that conclusion. He does not say that their memory is lost, meaning we don't know who's Amalek anymore. But rather, the Rambam just leaves it as is that there is a mitzvah to destroy Amalek. So the implication is that even after the Assyrians mixed up the whole world and all the lineage has been lost, 
there is still some commandment to destroy Amalek even in our times. And the reason is because the Torah explicitly says, that there is a fight for Hashem against Amalek in every generation. So if so, that fight can never end until the final redemption of Mashiach. But throughout all of history, that fight has to continue. So that's why it cannot be that the mitzvah of destroying Amalek ended after the Assyrians mixed up all of the lineage. The problem, though, is who is Amalek? If we're unable to trace the lineage of the original Amalekites and those people no longer live in the part of the world that Amalek inhabited, so how would we be able to figure out who's considered Amalek nowadays? So that's what Rabbi Moshe Soloveitchik explained, that the Rambam holds that anyone who rises up against the Jewish people, it doesn't really matter what their original lineage was. If they are a contemporary anti-Semite and they want to destroy the Jewish people, they're included in the mitzvah of Amalek. And he adds another point to this, which is in good Soloveitchik fashion, he says that there are two components to the mitzvah of destroying Amalek. One is on each individual Jew, that they should do their best to eradicate Amalek from the world. And the second is on the community of the Jewish people, that they should go to war against the nation of Amalek. And the mitzvah that remains nowadays is not on the individual. So that component of the mitzvah did end after Amalek's lineage was lost. But what remains is the other component that the Jewish people as a whole should fight back against people who want to go to war with them. So that was Reb Moshe Soloveitchik's approach. That's how he explained why the Rambam does not say that the mitzvah to destroy Amalek is over nowadays because it still applies and that leads him to his conclusion that any contemporary anti-Semite who rises up against the Jewish people is included in the mitzvah to fight against Amalek. Now, interestingly, Rav Soloveitchik's student, Rav Herschel Schechter in Nefesh HaRav, which is about Rav Soloveitchik, so on page 87-88, he reports that Rav Soloveitchik was against the German war reparations, the money that they were going to give to the Jewish people and to the state of Israel, and he had two reasons why he was against it. One was that he didn't want the Germans to feel like they had atoned for the sins of the Holocaust by giving money, and the second was because because since, according to his father's approach, the Nazis had the status of Amalek, so you're not allowed to take the wealth or the money of Amalek, that was the mistake that Shaul made in his war against Amalek, that he left the animals alive and he took some of their wealth. So based on that, Rav Soloveitchik held that it was prohibited to take the German war reparation money because it would be preserving the wealth of Amalek. Now, interestingly, there's a postscript to this story and that is that years later, Rav Soloveitchik told his students that he felt that history had ruled against his view because it turned out that the German money was very helpful to the state of Israel in getting off the ground and getting their economy started. It would have been very hard to do so without the German money. So Rav Soloveitchik felt that history had ruled against him. And this was an overall theme of his. He felt that even though when it comes 
comes to halacha, the do's and don'ts of the Torah, so those rules are given to the great poskim. They determine the practical halacha. But when it comes to ideological questions of Torah life, so there Rav Soloveitchik felt that sometimes Hashem steps in through the guiding hand of history and he himself determines what's correct. So for example, Rav Soloveitchik felt that even though there had been a lot of discussion and debate about whether Zionism was a proper Torah value and many great Torah leaders were vehemently opposed to Zionism, but Rav Soloveitchik felt that Hashem had shown through history, meaning the founding of the state of Israel, that Zionism was in fact a value which should be incorporated into the Torah world. So the same way Rav Soloveitchik saw history as determining certain ideological questions, he also felt that history had ruled against him that it was proper to take the German war reparations. Now, there's a few points worth mentioning regarding Rav Soloveitchik's analysis. First is the idea he mentions that there's a mitzvah on each individual Jew to destroy Amalek. So that's actually a big debate amongst the Rishonim. There are some who say the mitzvah of destroying Amalek is a mitzvah that specifically devolves on the king of the Jews. Others hold that it's a mitzvah on the community. And there are those who say that it's a mitzvah on each individual. So we're not going to get into this issue at length, but it's just worth noting that there is a discussion about this. In addition, the view that he mentions that it's prohibited to even take Take the wealth of Amalek. So that also seems to be a debate. That is the view of Rashi at the end of Parshas Bishalach, as well as Rabbeinu Bachaye in Parshas Kiseitze, as well as the Abar Benel in his commentary to Shmuel Aleph Perak Tesvav. They all mention this prohibition to take the wealth of Amalek. And that's why Rabbeinu Bachaye and the Abar Benel explain in the Megillah the Jews don't take the spoils of war because since this was a war against Amalek, so they were prohibited to take any of the spoils. On the other hand, the Rambam does not mention any prohibition against the wealth or the spoils of Amalek. And the Minchas Chinuch questions this because there is a medrash that says, like the view of Rashi, that it's prohibited to benefit from any of the wealth of Amalek. So he questions why the Rambam didn't mention this. Now, interestingly, Rabbi Yehuda Gershuni, who was the son-in-law of Rabbi Lazar Silver, in his Sefer Kol Tzofayich, on page 433, so he answers the Minchas Chinuch based on the approach of Rabbi Moshe Salavechik that we just mentioned, but he quotes it in the name of Rabbi Chaim Salavechik, and that is that the Rambam holds the mitzvah to destroy the actual descendants of Amalek is over because we no longer know who those people are. The only component of the mitzvah that's left is to destroy contemporary anti-Semites. So people who are not biologically Amalek, but they do reflect the values of Amalek. Now the Rambam holds that the whole prohibition against the wealth of Amalek only applies to the actual physical descendants of Amalek. But the people who are contemporary anti-Semites, even though there's a mitzvah to fight them, but there is no mitzvah to destroy their wealth. So that's why the Rambam does not mention that detail because it no longer applies nowadays. So that's how Rabbi Yehuda Gershuni applies this approach of the Soloveitchiks in order to answer another question on the Rambam. Now, Rav Shlomo Aviner, in the back of his commentary on the Kitzur Shulchan page 272. So he quotes from Rav Yehuda Gershuni in his commentary,
commentary on the Rambam Hilchus Melachim called Mishpat HaMalucha, but I can't find this in that Sefer or in any of Rabbi Yudah Gershuni's other Svarim. So I don't know if this is a misprint or a mistake or what's going on, but he quotes that Rabbi Yehuda Gershuni added that not only does a nation need to be anti-Semitic in order to be considered Amalek, but they also have to be atheists. So being Amalek requires a double war, both against Hashem as well as against the Jews. But a nation that's only anti-Semitic, so let's say like some of the Muslim groups, but they do believe in God very deeply, so that would not be considered Amalek. And in the Sefer 8 Pri from Rabbi Yitzchak Ginsburg on page 324, so he quotes that Rav Herschel Schechter said the same thing within Rav Soloveitchik's view, that he only means that anti-Semitics who are atheistic are considered Amalek, not if they're a nation of believers. So that's one limitation to this whole idea that in order for contemporary anti-Semites to be considered Amalek, they would also have to be atheists, not believers. On the other hand, Rav Aviner in his Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, so he says that according to Rav Soloveitchik, any nation, whether they're atheists or even if they're believers, if they're anti-Semites and want to destroy the Jewish people, then they would be considered Amalek. So there's two different versions about this. Now, this same approach is adopted also by Reb David Cohen, who was known as the Nazir. He was a close student of Rav Kook in his Sefer Melchama Veshalom on page 19. So he also considers that any contemporary anti-Semitic nation is a form of Amalek. And Rav Yisrael Gustman, who was himself a Holocaust survivor, he had been a Dayan on the Vilna Bezdin with Rab Chaim Ozer before the war, and he survived, but was very deeply affected by the Holocaust. So he also is quoted in a few places as saying that the Nazis were considered a Malik. This is brought down by Rav Mishulam Roth in his Chuvis Kol Mevaser, Chelek Bez, Simon Mem Bez. So he quotes that Rav Gustman, in his preface to a Sefer called the Chaibahem, wrote that the Nazis have the status of Amalek. And the same is quoted in a sefer called Lifnei Iver, which is in turn quoted in the Torah journal Or Yisrael from Muncie in volume 27, page 229. So again, he quotes that Rav Gustman said he had asked Rab Chaim Ozer during the Holocaust, what does he think of the Nazis? And Rab Chaim Ozer answered that the Gedolim agree that the Nazis are Amalek. So this view would now be attributed to Rab Moshe Soloveitchik as well as Rab Chaim Ozer, and it's accepted by Rav Soloveitchik and Rav Gustman that contemporary anti-Semites are considered Amali. And in the Sefer Eitz Pri, he quotes that Rav Ruvain Katz in his Shar Ruvain, page 301, so he also wrote that the Nazis are considered Amalek. So basically, there's a very strong tradition in this direction. Now, on the other hand, there are those who disagree very much with this idea. So first of all, the Rambam himself in Mora Nevuchim, Chelek Gimel, Perek Nun, writes that the mitzvah to destroy Amalek only applies to the physical descendants of Amalek. And the Ramban, in his commentary on the Torah, in Breshis Lamidvav Yudbeis, so he also reiterates that. So it seems clear that according to these Rishonim, there is no concept that anyone that hates the Jewish people can be considered Amalek. Now, Rabbi Ginsburg, in his discussion in the Sefer Eitz Pri, so he points out that Rav Soloveitchik would respond that the mitzvah on each individual Jew to destroy Amalek 
only applies to the actual descendants of Amalek, but the mitzvah for the Jewish people as a whole to fight against Amalek, so that applies to any contemporary anti-Semite. But on the other hand, the Eitz Pri says that this whole idea seems forced because where do we find in the Rambam these two different elements of the mitzvah? So there is this problem with the Soloveitchik approach to explaining the Rambam that it seems to contradict the Rambam himself in the Mora Nevuchim. Now, one of the main opponents of this idea was himself a Soloveitchik. So Reb Beryl Soloveitchik, who was a grandson of Reb Chaim, a son of the Brisker Rav. So there's a collection of shiurim he gave on Meseches Megillah and Purim in the Torah journal Yeshurin, volume 8. So on page 378, he's quoted as saying that there are those who say in the name of Reb Chaim that any contemporary anti-Semite would be considered a Malek. And he disagrees very strongly with this. He says, Vidvarim elu usr omran v'usr l'shoman. He says, this is totally prohibited to say because it's clear that the mitzvah of destroying Amalek only applies to the physical, biological descendants of Amalek, not to anybody else. And then he also mentions the statement of the Rambam in the Moranavuchim. And the same opposition to this approach is from Reb Nachum Rabinovich in his Sefer Melumde Melchaman, page 22. So again, he's asked whether Rav Soloveitchik's approach is correct, and he disagrees with it, again quoting the Rambam in the Moranavuchim, and he also says that the Rambam in the Sefer HaMitzvos, where he discusses this issue at length, so there he does equate the mitzvah to destroy Amalek with the mitzvah to kill the seven nations of Canaan. And just like the latter does not apply any longer after the Assyrians confused everything, so to the mitzvah to destroy Amalek doesn't apply anymore. And he also quotes that Reb Tzvi Yehuda Kuk, the son of Rav Kuk, that he was also opposed to this idea. And then he makes the point that this whole thing shouldn't be taken too literally because all Reb Moshe Soloveitchik is trying to say is that someone like the Nazis who's totally focused on the destruction of the Jewish people. So of course we have to stand up for ourselves and try to defend ourselves. But he's not trying to say anything more than that. There's no formal status of Amalek that applies to the Nazis. All he's trying to say, which is something that's clear, that we have an obligation to stand up for ourselves and to try to defend ourselves against people who are trying to kill us. So that value is certainly something that everyone would agree on. Now, similarly, the Sefer Eitz Pri suggests that maybe there's a way to formulate this idea which would not be a great innovation. And that is that what Rav Soloveitchik means is that anyone who hates the Jewish people, so there's an assumption that they must actually descend from Amalek. In other words, we can't prove it and we don't know the exact lineage, but the types of people who hate the Jewish people so strongly are probably people that descend from Amalek. And it's interesting because Rav Beryl Soloveitchik in his Shiurim in Yeshua so he quotes a story from Rab Chaim Valajner that he once traveled to St. Petersburg to do some lobbying on behalf of the Jewish people with the Tsar. And while he was there, there was a young boy who hit him with a stick. So Rab Chaim Valajner started to research who this boy was, and it turned out that he was the Tsar's son. And Rab Chaim Valajner made the comment that this boy meets all the criteria and the signs that he has from the Vilna Gaon to identify who is a member 
member of Amalek. So based on that, Rab Chaim Valajan diagnosed that this boy came from Amalek and that he would cause great harm to the Jewish people. And eventually he was Tsar Nicholas I, who was a terrible anti-Semite. So we see from this story that there are some sort of signs by which to identify who is Amalek. Obviously, most of us don't know them, but Rab Chaim Valajan had some sort of tradition from the Vilna Gaon regarding this. So it's possible to say something similar that people whose whole focus is destroying the Jewish people must be descendants of the original Amalek. Now, Reb Beryl Soloveitchik in his Shiurim, so he deals with the original question on the Rambam that had precipitated Reb Moshe Soloveitchik, his uncle's whole approach. And that is, why does the Rambam write with regards to the seven nations of Canaan, the Kfar Ovad Zichram, that we no longer can identify them, but he does not say that sentence with regards to Amalek. That was the original question. So Reb Beryl Soloveitchik suggests a different solution, which is that the Rambam is of the opinion that the mitzvah to destroy Amalek only applies to the Jewish king, whereas the mitzvah to kill the Kanani nations applies to each individual. So that's why the Rambam has to tell us that the mitzvah of killing the Kanaan nations no longer applies nowadays because everyone's been mixed up. So that mitzvah we can't fulfill. But when it comes to Amalek, he doesn't need to inform us of that because anyways, the mitzvah doesn't apply because we don't have a king. So the whole mitzvah is theoretical. It's not practical in any way. So there's no reason to write that it's limited because the nation of Amalek was mixed up. So that's his explanation for the Rambam's own mission of that line, but either way, it does not imply that there is any mitzvah nowadays at all to go after anyone because they're considered a malik. Now, on a practical level, there seems to be a consensus that Rav Soloveitchik's idea should not be taken practically. So Rav Aviner in his Kitzur Shulchan Aruch quotes that Rabbi Moshe David Tendler, who's the son-in-law of Rav Moshe Feinstein and a student of Rav Soloveitchik, so he said that this whole idea from Rav Moshe Soloveitchik is just an ideological idea, but it's not a practical halachic idea. And there's also a long practical discussion about this in the Chuvos Yayin Hatov from Rav Nisim Yitzchak, who was the Rishon Letzion, the chief Sephardic rabbi in Israel. So in his Chuvis in Yeridea, Simon Bays through Simon Hay, he brings up this issue. And then he quotes three letters that he got from other rabbis, including Reb Shlomo Korelitz, who was a nephew of the Chazon Ish and the Rav of Petach Tikva, and Rab Ezra Batsri, who was a Rav in Yerushalayim, and Rab Chaim Ozer Katz. So the Rishon Lutzion, Rab Yitzchak Nisim, he quotes this idea in the name of Rab Chaim, and he doesn't question whether Rab Chaim actually said it, but he does disagree with it because he points out that the Rambam and the Sefer Achinuch and others specifically talk about the Zera Amalek, the physical descendants of Amalek. So he doesn't think that we can say that any contemporary anti-Semite is considered Amalek. So he basically disagrees with Rab Chaim, but he does quote this idea in the name of Rab Chaim, like Rabbi Yehuda Gershuni did. Now it seems quite clear that Rab Chaim did not say this because Rab Beryl Soloveitchik totally disagrees with this and he was a very loyal disciple of the Brisker tradition. And even Rav Soloveitchik from Boston, who does quote this idea, does not quote it in the name of his grandfather, he quotes it in the name of his father. So it seems very clear that Rav Chaim did not say it, and that's what Rav Shlomo Korelitz writes, that he doesn't think this actually came from Rav Chaim. And Rav Ezra Batsri as well says that this idea should not be taken literally, it's intended to convey a certain message. The only one who defends this is Rav Chaim Ozer Katz. 
So basically, there seems to be a consensus amongst the poskim who discuss this, that this approach from Rav Moshe Soloveitchik should not be applied literally. And we'll end with one more fascinating and relevant source in the Sefer Yerusha Senu, which is about the history and the customs of German Jewry. So in volume 8, beginning on page 209, Rabbi Yamin Shlomo Hamburger, who writes a lot and is very well known in that field. So he has a lengthy survey of all sorts of historical sources which identify the Germans, so not specifically the Nazis themselves, meaning the Germans who hated Jews, but all Germans with Amalek. And he argues that this is all fabricated, that this all mostly came after the Holocaust, when people were understandably very upset with the Nazis. So they started fabricating all sorts of historical traditions, primarily from the Vilna Gaon, as well as other Torah giants, as if they had already seen much earlier in history, way before the Nazis, that the Germans were going to become an anti-Semitic nation. So Rabbi Hamburger argues very strongly against this, and he says that historically it's not true. There were no such rumors flying around, even though the Jews lived in Germany and they thrived there for many hundreds of years. Nobody ever said that the Germans were a Malik until after the Holocaust when it became clear that there had been some bad apples who had done terrible things to the Jews in the German nation. So that's when all these different traditions started popping up as if people had known it all along. So that's why there's all sorts of literature and all these different rumors and stories flying around as if the Germans are the contemporary Nazis. But Rabbi Hamburger argues against the whole thing. He says it's not true. None of these stories and these traditions from the Vilna Gaon were said before the Holocaust. And he also takes a strong stand that there are no contemporary Amalek nowadays. He says that some of the traditions in the name of Rav Gustman may have been fabricated. So he argues very strongly that there is no Amalek nowadays. It's not the Nazis. It's not any other anti-Semitic group. Amalek has been totally confused along with all other nations. And we have no way of identifying who would be considered a Malik nowadays.